Fine. Henry was as proud as a raptor, an eagle, his response a statement of ownership, of both me and of his new inheritance. I swallowed against the rock that had become lodged in my throat. My mouth was so dry that I feared I would be hopelessly silent when my moment came, and my mind would not stay still, but dance like a butterfly on newly dried wings over the disconcerting facets of my marriage. The royal Valois crown was my dowry. Henry would become the heir of France. The right to rule France would pass to our offspring, Henry's and mine, in perpetuity as the legitimate successors. I had been handed to him on a golden silver, with the whole kingdom of France in my lap for him to snatch up. My Valois blood was worth a king's ransom to him. The butterfly alighting for a brief moment, I glanced across at Henry. Even he, a past master as he was at the art of cold negotiation, could not govern his features enough to hide the glitter of victory as he took the vow. The bishop, who was staring encouragingly at me, coughed. Had he been addressing me? I forced myself to concentrate. Within the half hour, I would be Henry's wife. Vis acipri Henry, hic presentum intuum legitimum maritum juxta ritum sanctae matris ecclesiae. I ran my tongue over my dry lips. Volo. It was clear. Not ringing as Henry's response, but clear enough. I had not shamed myself for the decision that had been made in my name. Many of the French nobility would wish that it had never come to pass. When my mother had offered me and the French crown in the same sentence, there had been a sharp inhalation from the Valois court. But to save face, to dilute the shame of deposing the reigning king, my father was to wear the crown for the rest of his natural life. A sop to some but a poor one. The bishop's voice ringing in triumph recalled me once more to the culmination of that hard bargaining. Ego coniungo, vos in matrimonium, in nomine patris et filiae et spiritus sancti. Amen. All done. Henry and I were legally bound as the musicians and singers, lavishly paid for and brought all the way from England by Henry, began a paean of praise, and we turned to face the congregation. The clouds without grew darker, and rain began to beat against the great west window. I shivered, denying that it was a presentiment of things to come, as, perhaps an impatience to get the business finished, Henry's hand held mine even tighter and I slid a glance beneath my veil. Not an eagle, I decided, but a lion, one of his own leopards that sprang on his breast. He positively glowed, as well he might. This was a triumph as great as Agincourt, and I was the prize, the spoils of war, giving Henry all he had hoped for. There would still be war, of course, my brother Charles the Dauphin and his supporters would never bend the knee. 
Did my new husband realize that? I was sure he did, but for now, Henry, head held high, looked as if he were king of all the world. And in that moment, realization came to me. I, the much-desired bride, was not the centerpiece of this bright tapestry. Henry was the focus of attention, the sinusure for all present, and so it would always be in our marriage. You're trembling again, Henry said quietly. The nerves in my belly tensed, leapt. I had not expected him to speak to me as he led me down the aisle to the great west door. His eye was still quartering the congregation, as if searching out weaknesses on a battlefield. No, I denied. I stiffened my muscles, holding my breath, but to no avail.